Hi everyone, welcome. This is Everyday Seeker, your dose of real talk for the new age, and I'm your host, Rebecca Muir. You can connect with us at everydayseeker.net and find all of our juicy episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And I'm beyond thrilled to have astrologer Rebecca Gordon here with me tonight for episode 11 on the eclipses, or actually just on eclipses really just in general because they do happen several times a year, although we do happen to have two in this month of September 2015. Um, So coming up, one this coming Sunday and one later on on the 27th of the month. And eclipses are very significant, major astrological events um, that, as Rebecca says, get us back on our path and sometimes not too gently, (laughs) depending on how far you've strayed, maybe. Um, So but before we dive in, a little bit about Rebecca Gordon. She's an astrologer here in New York City. She is an author. She's got a book coming out on Simon and Schuster in 2016 um, that deals with astrology and health. She is a columnist for Condé Nast, Epicurious. She's done some food and astrology writing for them and various other publications. She is a Virgo goddess, a Kundalini practitioner a Brooklynite, and she's a record collector and actually a former performance artist in New York City. And I just found out that she is a former fire eater, (laughs) which is totally amazing. Um, So you could have fooled me. (laughs) But she is now the founder of My Path Astrology. It's a practice she's been doing readings in New York City and internationally for well over a decade. Um, She teaches internationally and has been teaching Um, as a school, the My Path Astrology School in New York City for about 10 years and has just opened an online school as well. And on Wednesday of this week, the 9th of September, she's offering a free webinar um, on career in the horoscope, which is an astrological guide to finding your life path. And so you can sign up for, for that webinar for free on her website, which is mypathastrology.com. And I really recommend that because I've taken several of her workshops and they're just amazing. So the fact that she is offering this for free is something you definitely want to take advantage of. So welcome, Rebecca. Thanks for being here. Great to be on here, Rebecca. And thank you for that lovely, long introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So, um, We are going to be talking about eclipses today. So uh, just even before we get into that, though, how did you come to be a believer in astrology to begin with, Rebecca? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I'm not sure if I ever doubted it too much. I'll say that. But um, gosh, I can say I was always interested in astronomy, astronomy way before Mm -hmm. astrology. And almost from an astronomical scientific perspective, you know, I grew up in the city where we couldn't really see stars. And I just studied, you know, planets and stars and learned about nebula and all that kind of geeky stuff that I was obsessed with through being a kid and maybe up to age 14. And um, I guess uh, when I, you know, we moved out of the city, I could actually see stars. And I was like, wow, all of this stuff I've been staring at in the books and in the planetarium is so real and wow you know um 
every day after dinner, I would just lay in the grass and stare at the stars. And for me, it was like home. It was like coming home. Wow, that's amazing. Astrology came to me, or I met astrology, however it happened when I was 14 years old. And things happen so synchronistically when um, sometimes, you know, I was, I was kind of being a 14-year-old and being lost and, you know, in the dark and not understanding who am I, why am I here, all these, all these questions you may ask when you're 14. So right. I started reading all of these books that I could, you know, vaguely understand, like things that I was probably a bit young for, like Carl Jung and, and, and things like that, and started to um, read about more metaphysical books and I Ching and tarot. Anyway, I, I hadn't got my hands on an astrology book yet, but I, I knew that something was coming. I, I ended up um, babysitting at somebody's house when that, you know, that classic Linda Goodman book fell out of the shelf for me, and I said, wow, this is everything I'm sort of... A, obsessed with at the moment stars and planets and this in-depth psychology and this real understanding of the connectivity and the threads between everything so i i took to it immediately and um that's amazing yes it was it was i think that was that was it after that day i was um that woman who i was babysitting for at the house she became my mentor in astrology and uh, later on, she married my father and became my mother. Oh my so I got to learning that way. Wow. Uh, yes. Yeah, so that's that's, uh, that's wow. That's really profound, actually. What a, an amazing connection. So did you, um, when you read like the archetype of Virgo, were you just like, wow, yeah, that really like resonated with you? Because that's kind of what happened to me when I would read about Aries. I was like, yeah, basically, minus the sports stuff. <laughs> Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I mean, there was the, definitely the sun sign was I could connect with that. And mm-hmm. I just kept digging deeper and deeper into the chart. I said, wow, there's a moon sign. And uh-huh. oh, no, I have a planet in the 12th house. And it was all of that fear, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, when you're a novice and something, you're kind of exploring. And um, I think I was really fortunate to have such good guidance though from from this wonderful woman Marjean who who helped me a lot um because you know there's always that fear when you're reading a book oh no the 12th house or oh no a Pluto square (laughs) or something yeah yeah definitely I mean I find it very validating the whole thing about astrology um is when I see the archetype laid bare like that I'm like wow it's I'm like yes that not only does it bring clarity to what I'm experiencing and, you know, some of my personality traits, but um, it helps me to feel validated. I'm like, no, this really is how I am. And now I can learn how to work with that and express it, hopefully at the highest level, rather than unconsciously maybe having some of this energy go rogue and express in a way that's not so beneficial for me or for other people. Um, So it's like a really, really amazing tool yeah, absolutely. Um, that, that's a great way to put it. It's it's uh, about self-realization. And I mean, in my practice, I find the more people can really accept, connect with who they are, the more they can be the most optimal version of themselves. Mm-hmm. But it's true. So, so much of it's in the subconscious and unconscious realms. But when you just read about it or hear about it from an astrologer, it's like, yeah, I am that actually. And it, it sort of gives you the 
the pass, the free pass to actually fully be it, as you said. Yeah, very much point. so. Very yeah. much so. So that's amazing, especially with the whole eclipse thing that's happening because these are major astrological events. And it's funny because even mainstream folks that aren't into astrology are still like wanting to, to witness these things in the sky because it's beautiful, because it's interesting. There seems to be a fascination there with eclipses that's gone back, you know, millennia, eons and eons and eons. So, but you said there are yeah. eclipse seasons. So right. tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Well, eclipses are one of the most ancient tools in astrology um, used, I mean, since back in Babylonian times, e eclipses were used uh, way before secondary progressions and all of these other things. Um, so they're extremely powerful. I mean, they're visually stunning. They're probably the most dramatic event of the year. Uh, this year, you can go down to you know South Africa or India and witness the solar eclipse in, in uh, September. But they are in families, as you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. And in eclipse families, so for example, for about a couple years, eclipses will habitate two signs that are opposing each other. Uh, for example, the last few years, we've been in the Aries-Libra eclipse family. And um, then they move into, slowly they move in, into Pisces-Virgo family. And basically what an eclipse family is, is, is where the nodal axis happens to be at the time. And when the sun and moon meet up with the nodal axis, we get an eclipse. And I realize not all your viewers might not, might not know what the nodal axis is. Um, maybe I should explain what that is for the listeners. <laughs> um, so... Um, this is, I don't want to get too technical here, but I'll, I'll try to explain it um, in terms. So the nodal axis, these are two points that are um, on both sides of the planet where the ecliptic, where the path in which all the planets travel, meets the equator. If you can imagine that, that right. little point where they both meet on both sides of the Earth. And that is called the nodal axis. Um, we have a north node, we have a south node. And... Uh, in Vedic astrology, it's seen as a dragon, the dragon's head and the dragon's tail. And when the sun and the moon catch up with the nodal axis, those points, we have an eclipse. And, and that's uh, when the sun covers wow. the moon, the moon covers the sun. Um, we're currently moving uh, karmically from this uh, Aries-Libra axis, which is really about me and you, peace and war, uh, these, these extreme polarities um, that uh, we've been in for a few years and we're moving to the Virgo Pisces axis, which is about service and spirit. So we're, we're moving into a very different time um, than we've been in. And also we've been not only in the, the Aries Libra axis, but we've also, those eclipses have been really exceptionally difficult because um, they've also been tied up with the Uranus-Pluto square and some mm. major evolutionary rites of passage for us all. I, I don't know anybody actually over the last, from 2011 to 2015, that has not gone through some major rite of passage or had a, had a pretty tough time at some point. I mean, these, these, oh, these yeah. were really not easy years. Would you agree? Right. And it's interesting, even tied in with the whole 2012 shift, which we'll talk about later. But, you know, um, yeah, it's I've definitely had my share of changes and of course I have all kinds of planets in my personal natal chart in Libra and Aries 
So I'm like getting pummeled, but just for anybody that is, or I have been rather, I'm looking forward to things shifting off, <laughs> off those points and out of those signs. But just for anybody that's listening, um, this whole Pluto Uranus thing, the concept of, of astrology, we have all the signs and we have the planets and these are just different archetypal energies. And, um, they make aspects to each other, which are sort of, they form different angles. And some of those angles are harmonious and flow well together. And some create friction and that can be really challenging. But I like to think the con the idea is that it's always for the highest good, um, any friction that might pop up, but it's can be incredibly challenging when you're going through it because it forces change. And, and that's what eclipses do, just yes. sort of on a more radical, um, instant kind of level. Um, am I correct in saying that or maybe not so much? Exactly. Eclipses are radical change. Yeah. Like some um, of these planets have been moving yeah. really slowly, like the Pluto-Uranus. Those have been oh. squaring each other for a few years, you know, so the eclipse is kind of like a different it's a different style of bitch slap. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's all expedited evolution. I mean, Pluto and Uranus are working from a deeper, uh, well, I don't know if it's a deeper level, but they, they've been working on evolution in ways where Pluto, we can say, is a planet that rules structures, skeletal structures, or structures of on the planet, um, structures of economy, government, and, uh, you know, Pluto entered Capricorn in 2008 and, and structures started to fall apart. Mm-hmm, they sure did. And they're still falling apart. They sure and, did. Um, Uranus is in Aries. And um, Aries is the sign of, I can do it myself. It's me. And, and it, you know, Uranus, we have the rebel in the sign of fire. So there's a lot of rebellion of, you know, because of these structures that have become really too subjugating and too limiting and On a global not level. sustainable. Yeah, yeah, this is all this un- mass unrest. You know, the Arab and, Spring, Occupy Wall Street, all of these things are correlated to the Uranus-Pluto square, as they say. That's right. have been saying. But it's happening on a global level, and it's also happening inside each of us. So oh, we're all... yeah. <laughs> it's very personal also, depending on where all of this is happening in relation to each individual's particular birth chart. Exactly. And if you're listening, and if you happen to be a Cancer, a Libra, an Aries, and a Capricorn, it could have been extra tough, especially if you're like a Libra. Um, Libras and Cancers, I feel like, at the end of it. But... All of the signs it's been really tough for. Um, mm-hmm. When you have planets in those signs, especially the cardinal square has been has been brutal. But I bet that you guys have gone through major evolution, and there's some kind of teaching and pearls of wisdom that have come out of this last five years. So I always mm-hmm. like to ask my cardinal signs to write down really what what are the lessons about? What are these lessons about, and how has that made you a teacher on some level? Yeah. Big time. I mean, I'm not the same person now that I was that I was a year ago after some of these really heavy transits, you know, hitting my chart. It's specifically, like, you know, the Pluto squaring Uranus was actually happening right on top of my natal sun and my natal ascendant. So it was very intense. But I I wouldn't take it back, even though it sucked. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, I'm, <laughs> glad, I'm glad that I ended up where I ended up. I'm glad that I have broken. It forced me to break. It's like the breaking of the shell, right? It's hatching. 
in some sense. So we see all of these changes happening in the collective and then also what's happening on a, a very personal individual level. And so yes. the themes of this of the eclipses that are happening this month are to do with the archetype of Virgo, which you said is service, and the archetype of Pisces, which is spirit. Um, that's the solar eclipse that's happening on the 13th. Is that correct? This Sunday? Right. We have a solar eclipse in Virgo, and it's the second eclipse in the Virgo-Pisces family, uh, which is different than the Saros series. I'll talk about the Saros series later. Uh, though the eclipse exactly is at 20 Virgo, and it's the first in Virgo in quite a while. So if you are a Virgo, you're going to feel this a lot, but for everybody, uh, no matter what sign you are, this eclipse will activate some part of your chart. Um, and there's many different houses in the chart. So, for example, this eclipse might be activating the house of love and romance or right. uh, the house of travel and learning. But a Virgo right. eclipse, no matter what sign you are, I mean, this is this is really about how will you serve? How do you serve? And are, are you really serving in the best way for your being? Are you Are you being yourself in your service? Are you serving up your wisdom. I mean, how the question is, how do you serve and what is stopping you? If there is anything stopping you, wow. it's like quickly get over it, get through it and just do it. So eclipses really push us. And this eclipse specifically is pushing us each to serve in the way that we are here to do. And so many, it's so easy to find reasons not to, or to play small or to hide and to, and to not, to not be big, to not serve and to not do what you're here to do and, and this eclipse is in a way i say it's like a universal push off the cliff and and then you got to figure it out you know yeah and that's the virgo part of it actually which is interesting to me because i don't have much virgo-y earthy practical stuff in my own natal chart so i've been really um looking at this energy especially with you know some other i don't want to go too crazy down the rabbit hole but there you know it is an axis so we have on the other side of the zodiac we have pisces which is like the opposite of virgo virgo is structure and detail and taking something and putting it into 3d reality right and pisces is like not that at all (laughs) right so pisces is dreams and intuition and you know feelings and nebulous vague blurred lines of everything right so i always think of this virgo energy as finding a way to well, you're thinking about service, but it's like, how do you actually implement that and do it? Like, what do you need to take care of in order to get that happening in physical reality, whatever area of your chart that's happening in? So, I don't know, am I on point with that? Feel free absolutely. to... Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Virgo's a sign of just get it done. And I mean, it's so earthy and it's really a good eclipse. Like, I, I feel that it's it's also interesting that this eclipse happens in along the time that um, the ruler of the eclipse is Mercury and Mercury starts to station and go retrograde. You know that whenever you have an eclipse, you have to look at what it's ruled by and Virgo's ruled by Mercury and Mercury begins to station and then go retrograde. I mean, an eclipse, a solar eclipse is a massive tidal wave in your, in your life. It's like many, many new moons rolled into one. So what, everybody's going to feel with this solar eclipse is a push forward that possibly parts of us were not ready for 
And there's always parts of us that are trying to hold on to the past of safety, of comfort and security. And Eclipse hates all that stuff. And Eclipse is like, forget about that. That's not evolution. See, I feel that the universe really wants us to do well. Eclipses help us to evolve. They help planet to evolve. Um, this, this solar eclipse, what's that? No, I just had like this image of a little kid standing at the top of a diving board and not wanting to jump off it. And the eclipse is like their friend that like pushes them off the diving board. Figures out how to swim. It's like time to go. Boom. Right. Exactly. And he's going to figure it out. And that's what, (laughs) if we're trying to hold on, we're going to have to let go anyway. So you might as well just let go and jump into the unknown during the solar eclipse. I mean, I'm, I'm personally really excited about it because it's really, uh, we don't know exactly how it's going to unfold. And I think everybody sort of feels the stirrings of change right now on the planet. And the best thing you can do in your life is simply to create space for this one to happen. Mm. Um, and if there's no space in your life, if you have a lot of clutter, it's hard for harder for an eclipse to really do its magic or it, it just will create more of a mess um, as it does. But they're really here to help us get back on track and reel us into who we are and to what we came here to do on the planet. Um, they're, they're masterful at that. Um, and sometimes if we've gotten far off from our center, eclipse season can be more tumultuous, you know? Um, right. I, so, right. It's opposed Pisces, as you said too, and opposed Chiron in Pisces. So we're also having to really face wounds of the past and how we have, uh, really limited ourselves to mm. in the past. Um, though it opens a portal. I mean, an eclipse is always going, a solar eclipse at least, this is a tremendous new beginning. And it's sort of like saying, okay, we're, we're not starting a new chapter. We're starting a, like a new whole book in your life. And, oh my um, God, it's so beautiful. The eclipses are tremendous. So, I mean, I, I would really say to everybody to, this is a time to be fearless, courageous, and I trust the current that if you do, you will be taken care of. It's almost like you're in the middle of the ocean, water waves are going every which way. And you're like, Oh my God, what's going to happen? Is, is this, is my whole world, the calamity is all falling apart and eclipse season can be like that. But if you, there is real, um, symmetry and order to it all that if you trust, you do end up where you need to be as that's the universal alignment the right right you know fight field is really holding us there and if way. you fight it's you're gonna make it worse right so you might as well yeah you might as well try to flow but i love that you said it's like 10 new moons rolled into one because the new moon is an, an opportunity every month to kind of start fresh and where the energy where the moon is beginning and she's gonna grow and as she grows the end like whatever you want to build like farmers plant crops according to the new moon i don't know if they still do but a lot i think a lot of them still do and yeah so i mean it's to say this is like 10 new moons like or 100 new moons like the energy of this this new beginning this solar eclipse is really amazing um and at one point because i attended your 
Eclipse workshop in the spring, actually, in New York City, and it was fabulous. And you had this um, wonderful way of describing actually what happens in the sky. But now I can't remember what it was. It was like the, the sun and the moon are talking to each other. Or, I'll do that. Can, can, yes. yeah, can you tell us? Cause, tell sure. me the story because I loved it. Okay, sure. I mean, it's good to understand the mechanics of an eclipse, really, and how it's going on. So really what the sun represents and what the moon represents and why they're so meaningful. I mean, uh, right. So let, let's look at it this way. Let's, let's imagine that our sun is shining light on us, right? And as, as it is, or it's, it's night right now, but it's day, it's shining light. But this light encodes information. Now, our sun is not the only sun out there, as we may know. Uh, there's something called the galactic center, which is where there's millions of suns living together, center of our galaxy, okay? So our sun is a bit like a liaison from, from that, okay? Now, our sun has a certain kind of light, a certain quality of light and information that it's always broadcasting down on us on Earth. And if you imagine that sort of like a, a soundtrack that we're all moving to, that's our earthly soundtrack, right? The sun's light. Um, that's the station that we're on at the moment. Okay, so you yeah. got that. Yeah. Now let's imagine the moon. Let's say the moon, the moon's our satellite, right? It's just kind of circling the earth. And the moon is known as a collector of memory. Um, this, this is esoteric astrology. And I love this stuff. I do too. I <laughs> the moon is, um, we can think of the moon as memory. And as the moon circles the planet, it's collecting realms of experience and karmas and samskara. It's really, um, the, the, it connects to soul. It connects to the past and it connects to souls. So that's the moon's role, right? Now, when an eclipse happens, the moon and the sun have a little exchange with each other. So let's let's just imagine that, which which is a rare occurrence. It happens like most of the time, twice a year, sometimes a few more times. But um, so now the moon's been circling Earth, co collecting all this information and energy, all these things that have happened on the planet. Now the moon's going to come flattened from the sun, and, and the sun's been broadcasting a certain kind quality of light onto the planet. And the moon stops. It blocks the light of the sun completely. It, it almost like turns off the radio station of the sun. And it says, stop. The light completely stops for a moment. And when the light comes back on again from the sun, when the moon leaves, it will be a completely new station. So what the moon is Whoa. doing. <laughs> right. Whoa. Right? This is this is how it's working. The, the moon is is actually, in a way, you can imagine it conveying to the sun all of the workings and things that have been going on on planet Earth. It's like, you know, um, when when your friend comes home and she's got so much to tell you about, she's she's over at your house. Now, Wait, I gotta tell you everything that's been going on. It's not, <laughs> all the last ten years, I haven't seen you in ten years. This has been happening, and this, and the moon is conveying all of that to the sun. You haven't talked to your friend in like 10 years, right? right. And um, so now the sun's like, wow, wow, wow. I didn't know all of that was going on. Okay, let me recalibrate this light 
the moon leaves and the sun broadcasts a much more calibrated, clearer, crisper quality of light onto the planet. So we're receiving new information with evolutionary patterns, new um, as we are in this light, you know, we, we don't see light as information, but it is. And light is so much more than, than, than what we see. There, there's obviously so much we don't see, um, but everything changes after an eclipse. And uh, this is a bit of the mechanics that go into that change. So now imagine you were living your life, doing your work, in your relationship, all these things pre-eclipse. Afterwards, it's almost like there's a new music playing, there's a new soundtrack, and we don't want to move in that old way anymore. It's like, we don't want to go to that job anymore. Like, what was I doing? I've met so many clients that, that, that did this, that literally they woke up and said, what am I doing? Oh you my know, God. And changed everything, quit their job and moved out or this and that, you know, it's really that, that sort of energy. So, and I have to say though, so powerful. If it's, if this eclipse is on one of your planets, on one of your personal planets, it's like much more significant for you. Than... Don't you have that happening? Because you got like four planets in Virgo. <laughs> so aren't they, this is yeah. happening on like a whole bunch of your stuff, right? Oh yeah, it's going to be on my stellium in Virgo. Oh I'm... my God, <laughs> big changes for you. This is like, what well, I think you were the one that said this. So it's like the illuminator. So you'll be able to see with new eyes to see everything and... Wow. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. Um, it's exciting with your school and everything, all the new developments that, that are happening. But sorry, I digress. <laughs> right? No, I'm, I'm excited, too. The, the week um, open enrollment starts for the school is the eclipse. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's very exciting. It, it's a huge change for me with the school to bringing it online and everything like that. So it's, it's completely uh, going into to a new territory here, absolutely. Which is exactly right in alignment with everything that's happening astrologically. It couldn't be more perfect. So, so You can't plan this stuff. No, sure. you can't even make it up, really. Like, <laughs> so um, I, don't, I don't know if you had anything more to say about the solar eclipse, but um, we do have a lunar eclipse coming up later in the month, and that's a totally different thing. Are you ready to dive yeah. into that or... Yeah, I'll talk a little bit about the connection between the sure. two, and then let's go into the lunar. Right. Um, so, right, they come in pairs. When you have a solar, you have a lunar, and a solar is basically a new moon, but it's an exact new moon of the sun and moon, and a lunar is basically an exact full moon, which mm. is like 10 full moons rolled into one. Right, so really 10 they're... full moons rolled into one. Oh, <laughs> my God. Can you imagine? Yeah. yeah. So these are basically heightened versions of new moons and full moons. That's what a solar and a lunar eclipse are. Um, so these are all times of beginnings and endings in our lives. Now, the solar eclipse is definitely a bright new beginning, but often I find when there's a solar eclipse, there needs something wants to begin. But unless you've ended something prior, it's, it's really hard. Let me give you an example. Like, let's say there's a solar eclipse in your seventh house. Mm -hmm. That would mean um, the doors are opening really wide for you to be in a, in a divine partnership, whether it's a business partnership or marriage, but about partnership, okay? 
Uh, so let's say that's a solar eclipse. And really, it, it effects of eclipses may last uh, a full year or many, many years to come. They might last a lifetime. These are profound events. So they open portals, they open gateways uh, that can remain open for, for a really long time. So um, sometimes the lunar eclipse comes first, sometimes the solar eclipse comes first. In oh, this really? case, okay. yeah, it, it depends. I didn't know that. Yes. I'm learning. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a, this time the beginning comes first, and then we've got to end something after. Mm. Oh, wait, I was going to say, sorry, I, I missed that. When after, so let's say there's a solar eclipse in your house of partnership. That would mean a new beginning. But let's say you were still in a relationship, uh -huh. okay, and you hadn't ended it, and you were, like, like, holding on to that with your dear life. Well, in that case, the solar eclipse would have to help you terminate that relationship so that you actually could have a new beginning. Right. Um, so sometimes solar eclipses may help to end things as well. Um, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's almost like it, it's going to give you a dose of a new beginning, but you can't continue to, which actually is probably if you didn't maybe even get that push forward into something new, you wouldn't want to or be able to see that you need to end the other thing. Right. So sometimes sense? a solar eclipse is an ending because that's right. what you have to do first. Exactly. You gotta, yeah, exactly. Wow. That's, yeah. I didn't realize, I knew they were in pairs. Like I'm, you know, I'm new at all this astrology stuff. So I'm like learning a lot, but there's, I, I thought for whatever reason, I thought, God, that's interesting that the solar eclipse always comes before the lunar eclipse, because I think the only I've only been aware of this since the last eclipses that happened in the spring, and I believe the solar came first then as well. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so that's kind of nice. At least it won't always. You know, it seems to make more sense to think the ending would come first with the lunar eclipse. So maybe sometime things will be more chronological. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we begin all these new things, and then we need to end things with the lunar eclipse that comes two weeks after you know, like a new moon and the lunar is at four degrees Aries. Now both the solar and the lunar are part of much bigger magnificent cycles called Saros series and a Saros series is, can last many many thousands of years. I mean these are I find eclipses so fascinating because they really show us the way uh, that we are connected now to all of the fabric of time and creation. I mean, like this, this solar eclipse that we're, we're going to have next week is, is really um, the, that eclipse Saros series cycle began. So eclipses similar to that one. Oh, I didn't mention eclipses happen every similar ones happen every 19 years. Mm -hmm. So this series in September that we're experiencing has been going on every 19 years since the year 1060. Um, God, so this is a, a bigger, a bigger eclipse family, and it actually speaks to events that were happening around that time. It's like a continuation and, of a story that's been ongoing, or particular themes that have been ongoing. Exactly. Cycles that have been ongoing. Wow. Yes, Oof. I just looked up the Sarah series on the NASA website where you can find all of them, and it goes to 2358. So it's a really long series, you know, many, many, many years um, for an eclipse series. Anyway, the some there's always ones beginning and ending. The lunar is, eclipses are definitely about endings. 
whereas the solars tend to be about beginnings. So, so as the lunar one starts um, around the 27th of September, you know, this is when everything goes black for a moment. Like, you know how I explained the sun and the moon mm-hmm. in in that situation of right. uh, the, the moon going in front of the sun and blocking the light, that's the solar and the lunar. It's like the earth really blocks the light both. And we don't have sunlight. We don't have moonlight mm-hmm. uh, for a moment. Everything is dark. And a lunar is an entire blackout. It means that something must completely wow. black out of your life. God, that's so like just, I feel like I just got that in my soul when you said it. When you said it, it's like a blackout. Yeah. I mean, there it is. Wow. So you can remember, I mean, you probably remember what happened in the last lunar eclipses, and we all can remember what was going on. Well, was on. the last one on the April 4th? Yes, it was. Yeah, that was my birthday. Oh, wow. So you had a an eclipse birthday. I did. <laughs> so I guess we'll see what April I'll be letting 4th. go of this entire year. But, um... 14 degrees Libra, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's huge, actually. This is probably a really big year for you. Um, but that Lots of sweeping good. change, that's for sure. But I think you also mentioned that people tend to feel the effects of these eclipses um, in particular, like, like at least most mm-hmm. acutely, within a week or two on either side of the date, or is Right. Or... Well, it's called eclipse season for a reason. So, sure. like, the whole glow around September, even, we're starting to feel it. So people might be feeling like a change is brewing, you know, in, in the month of August, and as well in October, even. Um, like, new moons and full moons get around a five-day glow, I'd say. But eclipses are just so profound it's like the whole uh period and and part of august and october as well but definitely if you it's about beginning new things mid-september and endings at the end i mean but but it really it's it's all kind of mashed into one in these waters as a solar eclipse is like this massive tidal wave you know that that you've got to surf. You just got to ride this one. No choice. It's <laughs> right. Power. It's more. It's bigger than you. It's going to take you down. So totally. Yeah. And the lunar eclipse is almost like pulling back. You know, when the ocean pulls back from that, it's like, okay, what what do we need to release here? Right. Um, and it's in Aries as well, right? So is there a particular? Yeah. I mean, I know. Again, we should reiterate that it really does. Um, depend on what area of your particular natal chart this happens for every individual person but still the energy of Aries is you know that's an archetype as well so what would the theme if if there is there a theme for the lunar eclipse absolutely um yes so we're we're starting to come to a close from the Aries Libra eclipse families uh and this one at four degrees of Aries, it's actually a pretty good eclipse as far as eclipses go, because four degrees Aries is moving away from that really, uh, really tumultuous Pluto Uranus square. Right. <laughs> so now we're starting, it's actually going to be easier than our previous eclipses in, in Aries, right? Um, it's trining Saturn. So it's, it sort of has this note of finality of, um, a real secure ending, something that's been needing to end for a while. And what I'm seeing this as is a way of a way of presenting our power, a way of presenting uh, Aries is that very raw, 
masculine power. Um, and it's not, it's speaking to the warrior archetype. It's speaking to um, the, the total push forward that just, um, it's, a, it's a fire sign. And it's almost like there's a part in all of us that's needing to be sacrificed. And Ooh. in literary clips, there's always a sacrifice. There's always something to lose There's that creates space. And it seems to be in being an early Aries, you know, it's, it's something that's along the lines of the way we used to exert our power, the way we used to express dominance or control and, and power and uh, things like that. So, you know, we're, we're letting go as a collective. I mean, eclipses work on a very collective level of old ways of expressing aggression. And this has been a, a theme already for the last few years um, as well with the eclipses in Aries and Libra. Wow. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, even just feeling like letting go of the old way of moving forward. And I always think of identity, yeah. but I guess that depends on, mm -hmm. I, I guess that depends on, I'm, I'm thinking more first house. So if you don't mm -hmm. know what house this happens, and also if you are looking at sort of more eclipse sort of horoscopes, what generally happens is they're using sun sign astrology, but that probably won't line up with what your actual natal chart is. So you could book a reading with Rebecca if you want to find more out about that. Or you can go on astro.com if you want to get super nerdy and get into <laughs> all the like nitty gritty yourself and read all the stuff. You can see exactly what house in your chart these eclipses happen at. And for me, like, because so if I didn't know about astrology, and mm -hmm. I just went and wanted to Google, okay, like this is the lunar eclipse in Aries. I would probably think that that happened in my first house, but it doesn't because I'm in Aries and an Aries rising. So it, ha it actually happens in my 12th house. And the only way I could figure that out is by going, by having studied enough astrology to be able to go in into my chart and look. And so I'd be dealing with the theme of Aries also happening in, in with the 12th house theme um, as well, which is... I guess, hidden things, secrets, deep spirituality, <laughs> illness, what else? Um, letting go, like endings in general. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, that's like something that if I were listening to some sun sign horoscope, I'd be getting the wrong information about how that was well, going to affect me. Would I, I mean, that, would that I would be the right information, too, though. I mean, okay. I'm, I've been a sun sign columnist for a long time, too. And I can say that, you know, it's it's they're both right. And in a way, they're so... So, right. Um, when I write the horoscopes, I'll, I'll say, sure, for an Aries, it would be first house. And that, that does work. And it's also in your natal chart. We all have two charts. And we all have our natal chart, which, which you can have read. Um, as, as Rebecca mentioned, I, I, that's, what, that's what I do a lot of the times during the week here. Uh, or, you know, you can, you can read if you read a column for your solar chart, which is a horoscope, that's, that's very real too. And in a way you'll never, you never get the full story unless you mix both together. That makes like sense. I find that you need to have a blend 
And when I give a reading to somebody too, I'm always layering the charts upon each other, the natal and the solar, because you never have the full story with the natal and you don't have the full story with the solar either. You're, the natal's wow. really missing half of it, you know? But that's a whole wow. other thing. So No, I, I just mean, learned so much just right now because I was always kind of wondering <laughs> how to reconcile those two things. So They coexist, actually. Yeah. They coexist quite well, um, and they create a story together. Wow. So, you know, you mentioned the 12th house, which, which tends to get, you know, put in the kitchen sink category in astrology, like the 8th yeah. house a bit. We say 8th house, sex, death, religion, 12th house large animals, prisons and hospitals and all these things. I mean, morbid you know, macabre. yeah, it's, I'm sorry. Morbid and macabre things, right. you know. Well, it was the house of self and doing the house yeah. of suffering. And I mean, in, in a way, um, some of those things are true. It's also the house of spirit. It's, uh, um, every planet in the 12th house has to go through its rite of passage. And those parts of you, are are ready to actually step out of the 12th house so they're learning those those planets are all your guides they're your teachers i really like that that was um one of the most redeeming things that i learned when i went because i i for my listeners here i have studied privately with rebecca and so i i do have several planets in the 12th house (laughs) so right that's really encouraging um so because there is a lot of um there's a lot of morbid uh, doomsday kind of information out there uh, about the twelfth house. So thank you for for being sure to make a point of that this time yes. around. It can be very oh, I have empowering. So many. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, I have a lot of students now that that you know will read up on these things on the internet all oh, night and get yeah. really scared and come to me. So I always I make it very clear that you know it's really not that great to just start googling random things on the internet in astrology because there's a lot of misinformation out there and you have to fact check and it's very hard with the internet to fact check um so i i recommend always like certain kinds of books and things like that um yeah the online you know can be great and it also can be uh, a lot of misinformation so you know i just recommend for people to be really careful if you're getting into astrology for the first time and you're researching it. Um, I mean, if you are interested in learning it, I do, I run a year round school here and I'm, I'm happy to give information on that. But I would say you want to probably mentor with somebody or study with an astrologer um, rather than take bits and pieces from the internet. Cause that can be a bit dangerous too. I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even books are better than uh, what you're going to find online a lot of the time. So So, yeah. So do you have um, an eclipse story in particular that you might be able to share with us? Some an example of like a really powerful experience that either you had or someone that you know of had as a result of Hmm. the eclipse. An An eclipse eclipse? story. Yeah. Uh, I have so many, actually. I mean, I, I, you know, I keep journals of all these things. So I'm thinking uh, back in my life, you know, whenever there was an eclipse, there was a story. But um, I think what what would be an interesting one? Okay, I'm going to go back to 2005. Yeah. Great. I'm going to tell, okay, I'm going to tell you an eclipse story of 2005. This was a solar eclipse, I believe, in the sign of Libra. And it was in my third house. 
and it was significant for me, my house of communications. And it was very significant for me because it was actually on the degree and talking to a lot of planets in my chart. So when, when an eclipse is heavily aspecting your, your chart, it's, it's so important. Okay, so this was, um, I think it was a cold month here. But anyway, <laughs> what, what was going on was, um, you know, I had, I just started to kind of see myself, um, you know, I, I guess I had studied astrology throughout high school with my stepmother and throughout college and everything, but I had never thought, oh, I could become an astrologer, right? You know, you just don't think about that. I had these normal New York kind of jobs, like working in an art gallery for a while, I worked as a stylist in fashion. Before that, I was, I waited some tables. You know, I did all kinds of things that we do as New Yorkers when we're just trying to make it earlier on. And um, so I, you know, I, I was working as a stylist here and doing various jobs. So, uh, you know, I, I think, um, and this was around the time in 2005 when I was just starting to go to more conferences and meet other astrologers. And I'd start studying with Susan Miller and astrology was starting to really take over my life completely then, or in 2004 and 2005, was just like, I, I mean, it was almost, it was bleeding into everything I was doing. You know, I would be on a shoot with people and I would just be talking about their charts. And, that sounds like me right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that, that this is how it happens. That's and eventually happens. you just transition over. So, I mean, I can say I was doing so many free readings in all my spare time. I'd get out of work and was just reading after reading after reading. And I spent a couple of years doing that, you know, um, in my early 20s. It was just nonstop. And, uh, okay, so 2005, what happened was this eclipse hit and somebody asked me to give an astrology talk. And I said, wow, I, I've never spoken in front of anybody. I've never done anything like that. I, I maybe talked in front of six people or something, a group of friends and things like that. So it was Alex Gray, who was from Cosm, who's, who had this great center. He, he's, he's a wonderful artist. And he, he and his wife opened uh, Cosm while back. And I'd gotten a call from them somehow. And I said, how did they find out about me? And how is this really going on? But I, anyways, I, I was, I was asked to give a talk on astrology and this big thing that was happening at the time called a, a grand fixed square oh, so i you know <laughs> yeah it sounds pretty ominous that sound it um, sounds very difficult <laughs> right it, it was a hard time <laughs> so um i remember just i had never given a talk as i said so i just started like like i would, would be in college i remember just doing all of this preparation work and note-taking and and so much fact-checking and research i must have researched for like a month and a half and written so much and edited little I mean, miss I, virgo exactly i right. i'm looking back I'm like i can't believe what i was doing so this is to give a talk at at this center called cosm um which which was an amazing art art center and uh events uh place here just spiritual events of sorts so anyway um i showed up and i to my surprise it was a really big event and I think there was almost a hundred people in the room and there was a, a little bit of a stage and a podium and I just got completely freaked out uh first you of all no I had no idea what you were going into no idea this is an oh eclipse god. this was like the day of the eclipse was the event and I remember thinking oh my god there's an eclipse 
eclipse in my third house on my Pluto and hitting all my planets. I have to do it. This, this, you know, there's no way out. This is an eclipse. But I, there was one moment I was talking and I just got, um, I almost had a panic attack. I think I, you know, I just got quiet suddenly. I couldn't even speak in the middle of it. And hopefully they thought it was a dramatic pause of silence, but I was just like freaking wow. out internally. And, um, yeah, that ended. And I just that you know, I, I, so I gave a talk, you know, and everything I talked about the fixed cross and what it meant. And after that, I thought I had just ruined the entire evening. And I just wanted to get get the hell out of there fast. You know, I said, let me make a beeline for the, the door and get back on the streets of New York get home. And, and that's it. We'll call it a night. You know, I just yeah. couldn't wait. Um, that's just right. And, and this was oh an eclipse. I, I, I started to walk out. And um, Alex and some people saw me. They're like, what are you doing? You know, I said, well, I'm so sorry. I hope I didn't ruin your night here. Oh, I hope, my goodness. You know, I was just so worried that I had, you know, because I had never spoken in front of and a group before. And you were, like, such a, and it was so young, right? Like, 20. Super young. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought, oh, my God, this has been horrible. Let me just escape, make a beeline, right? And I... Um, I met, so I started to just like get down, walk down the stairs. Then I ended up talking with people on the stairwell and, and they were going back in. I said, okay, you know, I'll hang out. I'll go back in, you know, for a bit. I'll, although I was just completely embarrassed. Um, so anyways, um, I wasn't expecting much. I was kind of just, you know, cause I was just, I was just wanted to get home. I, I thought I had a you know, made a total embarrassment of the night. Uh, but but to my surprise, seriously, this is such an eclipse event um, in the third connected to every planet in my natal. Wow. And like your entire I, local environment, too. I got, uh, I think there was like a swarm of people. Well, totally. There was, um, this was the night that absolutely changed my life. And, and I, I tell Alex and Allison to this day, I mean, this was when I, I just had a seat at the event and I, people started coming up to me and they started, to my surprise, booking readings. And I thought, wow, um, I actually had a little handheld calendar there, you know, the Jim Maynard calendar, and I booked it out. I booked clients for the next three months sitting there. I So many people were coming up to me and, and then I thought, wow, I, I better get an office space. And I think from that day on, I was a pretty pretty much a full-time professional astrologer so many people at that event were were uh, referring other people and so on and it it really grew a lot from that and i can note that day uh that eclipse in my third house is is really when i made the change made the switch from quitting my job that i was currently at and and doing this full-time and amazing. that it was a major catalyst and that's what an eclipse is and sure it was a risk sure i left my salary i left all of that stuff you know you have to though and you have to you, you have, have to, to just jump. you have to live courageously you have to jump you have to take a risk you have to go with your gut you have to go with what you feel and what your where your passion is and eclipses really help push us into that well that's so i'm so cool. thankful for that day and that i hope that's an inspiring story no for you it is and that's what's so cool because you never probably would have agreed to do that talk if you had known oh no how, I would have how many people were it. there do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, and that's never. what's so great about that's that's like the whole point of the eclipse is that it totally yeah. just puts you in that situation and you had to so 
forward oh, yeah. movement hashtag go <laughs> yeah yes, go that's for amazing it. Go that's for amazing it. and then I would now love to hear hmm? no go ahead what were you gonna say sorry i love to hear eclipse stories of other people i was just thinking um but i mean eclipse stories are always uh, these catalyst moments uh, right but it's uh, like it's like the effects of that eclipse like you said, they, the effects of eclipses can linger forever, but it's like we wouldn't be sitting here mm-hmm. and having this conversation because you're now a teacher and I'm your student. And I came across you while you were doing a workshop at Golden Bridge Yoga in Manhattan that was sort of an integration of the astrology of 2015 with kundalini yoga practices and how to work with that energy. And that's how I came across you. And my life is different because of knowing you and from what I'm learning from you and so many other people now, especially with the online school. So it's just interesting because that eclipse in your third house also rules education. Well, I suppose not higher does it it's it's education right it's education it's teaching it's teaching so it's just sort of funny because yeah anyway it's that's like i mean definitely still yeah it's it's like just it's really profound um and i wanted to ask you as well because you had mentioned at some point earlier some other examples of really um just other really profound examples of eclipse things some of them quite tragic um the 9-11 you said that happened around an eclipse would you oh, be right. able to tell us a little bit about that oh yes, yeah. so many world events happen around eclipses um absolutely i mean these are times not only dramatic in our personal life but on a collective global level eclipse events are are definitely profound um i believe it was the summer in the june july eclipses that um, went right before 9-11. What, what an eclipse does, whether it's lunar or solar, they, they tend to burn a hole in the sky at that actual point of the eclipse. So they, they really punctuate the specific point in the sky. And the sky is very much alive. Now that, that point in the sky where that eclipse had happened, let's say, was zero degrees cancer that that specific point stays active and hot for a while for for possibly many years to come so so therefore especially in the first year right after it imagine a wound you know um wow so it's it's a very sensitive point in the sky and um, when planets like Mars and Saturn go over that eclipse point, what they do is they sort of, um, they open it up. They open up the energy of that eclipse again. So if planets keep going over and over it, then that same eclipse energy gets reiterated into the collective more and more. Um, when Mars goes over an eclipse point, you know, Mars is a bit of a volatile energy it's the and, planet of um, war. I mean, in the shadow, what? in the shadow aspect, yeah, of it, I guess. Definitely, Mars is planet of war. Um, you know, I, I'm all for the traditional terms here. Um, so that eclipse point had been burned in the sky, and then Mars went over and opened up that eclipse point. Mars went over that exact point, and it's like opening up the scab opening up the wound and and that 
you know, sometimes major events happen on the day of an eclipse, and sometimes, like this was this was the day of 9/11 when Mars went over that eclipse point in the sky. Um, what was uh, what, when uh, Twin Towers fell? So these um, that was definitely an, e- an eclipse-related event. Um, wow, something that's crazy. That is absolutely and that's crazy. I think it spoke to something else 19 years before that, too. You know, and it really speaks to history, and it weaves a thread throughout history that you can track. These eclipses are so interesting to look at in, in those terms because you, you start to see all the different seeding events um, that create history. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, so, I mean, even the eclipse points that are about to happen could be especially sensitive for people that have planets or other, you know, things happening at those degrees in their particular charts. But so once totally. the eclipse happens, then other planets, planets that are transiting through will continue to activate those eclipse points or those eclipse energies. More like Mars and Saturn, mostly. Oh, I don't, okay. Yeah, those are the two activators. I don't think any, any planet would necessarily... Um, you know, an outer planet like Uranus and Pluto could certainly o- open it up. But, you know, right. Venus and the Sun on an eclipse point will not really activate it that much, you know, or Mercury, because those are lightweights, you know. Lightweights. Um, in, <laughs> in the face of Mars and Saturn, which, um, you know, have a much heavier feel to them, um, as Mars tends to open it up and Saturn tends to catalyze. So, wow. yeah. Uh, those can be rough on the eclipse points. And speaking, you know, speaking um, of that, actually, and we didn't discuss this when we touched base before, but Saturn will be in Scorpio still at the last <laughs> most potent degree of Scorpio when we have this solar eclipse. I think by the time we have the lunar eclipse, Saturn will be at zero Sag, will it not? Saturn's moving into Sagittarius, yes. For right, the last but three, for the solar three, eclipse... Right. still be at that 29th degree. So I don't know if that aspects anything or if it's significant or not, but people have just been talking so much about Saturn at 29 Scorpio. Well, we've spent the last three years um, collectively really dealing with our stuff. Dealing, We've all been in the basement to some degree. Everybody's um, been doing a personally a, a great deal of work in their own basement a lot of work on themselves, clearing out the subconscious crap, you know. Uh, There's also been on a collective level, Saturn and Scorpio, we've been sort of hashing out a lot of lies and things that have been suppressed and submerged. Mm. Um, And I mean, as a very kind of blatant example, the the whole Bill Cosby thing, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's very Saturn and Scorpio sexual misconduct being brought out into the open you know all, all these things that are that have been suppressed for many years possibly for um since last eclipse cycle or two eclipse cycles ago of this kind of thing so we we start to see patterns here um but you know saturn and scorpio's bringing out into the old into the open all things scorpionic and and uh, collectively, we've a lot of scandals have been been revealed. Um, so we're moving into a a new realm for Saturn and Sagittarius, which is going to be the, for the next two and a half years. And 
I, I mean, I feel, first of all, if you think about the sign of Sagittarius, I, the first word that comes to me is wisdom and seeker. And I, I'm thinking about things like what you're doing in the world, everyday seeker, right? Uh, Sagittarius is the sign that rules the seeker. So we're going to get, I would, I would imagine, um, we're going to get more serious about these sorts of things. First of all, Saturn puts a level of authority to any sign it touches. First of all, it starts to bring out any lies, anything that's been going on that we need to know about. So, you know, there could be a lot of like false gurus that are outed, people that have been saying their one thing and doing another. Oh, it's wow. it's the, the, the um, element of walk your talk. You know, right. like really, you have to do it with Saturn Sagittarius. It's not going to pass anymore for all these these leaders and, and teachers that that claim to be one thing and that are talking one way and living another way. And there has been a good deal of that going on on the planet. And, and I feel like that's not really going to be able to make it through the, the comb of Saturn and Sag. You know, Saturn and Sag is really going to, Put them all through the wire and and say, um, well, you, you really got to walk your talk here. It's a bit more serious. Yeah, so, I mean, is it also possibly building new structures um, in terms of beliefs or new, yeah, new frameworks within which to deal with our spirituality, our beliefs, our philosophy, our definitely. Our, you know, um, definitely, we're building new new structures around our beliefs. Sure. Um, and, you know, to some degree, there, there's a level of, um, sometimes we don't like it when, like, when Pisces becomes Sagittarius. When you take something Piscean, that's like, you know, spirituality. Um, when it becomes a belief, it becomes organized, it might become Sagittarius, which rules more religion and beliefs. Huh. So, you know, it's, it's this um, transition process where, there could have been something very loose and fluid that becomes more of an organized structure. And we're going to see a lot of that for sure. Um, you know, like religion. I mean, it, religion became a corporation in many ways. You know, it, be, it went from Pisces to Sagittarius. Spirituality became religion. Um, so there is that. We have to be careful of that too. You know what I mean? There's sure. That, um, Definitely. I think we're going to see a lot of new ways of teaching and sharing for sure um you know college educations become so expensive that so many people aren't even going to school anymore and it's become just unattainable so yeah. I, I think that sagittarius rules education and, and we're definitely going to have to make some pretty big changes in the way that we approach college education that that's that's going to be under the wire too i would imagine yeah, yeah. i mean there's just so much going on so many transits and it's exciting though I mean these changes are all welcome they need to happen and it's interesting to think of the planets as like there's something happening in the sky but the energy interplay between the planets and, and the whole galaxy and universe and and it's being mirrored down here on earth somehow whether or not the planets are causing it or whether it's yes. just a correlated to what's happening somehow is still a bit of a mystery. Um, but you yeah. know, a once said that 
I think we were in the middle of a of a class, and she said, "Everything breathes together," and that was so beautiful because it's not like the planets are making us do it. It's not like we're making the planets do it. Everything breathes together, and it was such a succinct way to to put it all, and and that was it. And it was simple in that term, but. Um, you know, it's all it's all in harmony together. We're we're all part of this unified field, right. and all of the planets live inside of us too. I mean, really, every every molecule, every cell in your body is made from the same material that the planets are from, and and that's why everything breathes together. It's all the same stuff, really. So you know, we're not that different than the planets. Exactly. We're all really subject to the same kinds of things. To the same thing. laws. To the same laws. And it's amazing, okay. actually, because I spoke to you about the Anne Ortley class that I attend every Tuesday that I'm able to in New York oh, she's City. Great. Yeah. I go to this class that's taught by this wonderful astrologer, Anne Ortley. And she wasn't able to go to class a couple weeks ago when I was in town. She, I guess she was at a Jimmy Buffett concert. So <laughs> I was like, go, girl. So we yeah. had a couple of her longtime students um, hosted the class. And we just talked about our experiences of Saturn in Scorpio over the last couple years. And I had a question because I wasn't, I was confused about how to tell what was Saturn in Scorpio and what was Pluto in Capricorn and the Pluto, you know, and then I had this like realization because not only were the signs in mutual reception or the planets in mutual reception, which is just like astro geek terminology for them being in each other's houses, right? There was like, a, they're working together essentially, but it made me realize, I was like, you know what? Those two planets, Saturn in Scorpio and Pluto in Capricorn are working together, but not just because they're in mutual reception. I think that all of the planets, like everything that's happening, whether stuff is being aspected or two planets are rubbing each other the wrong way or they're having a good aspect and everything's flowing harmoniously, everything that's happening in the sky is working together in some sort of mysterious way. Um, So that's like really amazing just to have that. I was like, oh my God, it's not just like whatever Saturn and Scorpio was trying to do to evolve me further and to evolve the collective further, it wouldn't have been able to do without what Pluto was doing in Capricorn or without whatever, you know, so... Um, Certainly, yeah. Yeah, it's totally crazy. Like, but just amazing. And well, each, yeah, each moment is so unique and new. Like, it's never happened before in the entire history of the world. So, yeah, exactly. It's never happened in the same way, right? right. Um, and I know that we've been talking for a little while, uh, but I did want to quickly just ask you because we are about to go into a Mercury retrograde, and that's something that even people that aren't really big into astrology have probably at least heard about um, many times and so I'm just I just wanted to see what you would say about that um, because that's going to be significant as well happening in Libra um, over the next month or so I suppose it's really only three weeks but we're not there yet so um, and with the eclipse I mean it's whatever the eclipse is triggering I would like to think would also be sort of being worked on. It might not be super intermingled, but we're going to be mm-hmm. reprocessing certain things um, in order to move forward. So I'd love <laughs> to hear your take. 
Oh, yeah. Well, exactly. Actually, exactly what you just said, the last bit, we're, we're going to be reprocessing things in order to move forward. That's that's a really good way to put it. We've got to do, it's like there's this massive tidal wave going forward with the celery cliffs, but yet we've got to do a little bit of backpedaling first and before we can really go forward with this. So, um Right. It's going to be an interesting month. I mean, I always say you leave a lot of time open in your schedule because things come up very quickly and, and nothing really goes as we plan. So leave a lot of time and space open for things maybe not going as we planned exactly. You know, right, that's, for that's having to of, do things twice or, or, right, or three times. Or three or, times. <laughs> so Mercury is the yeah. planet of communication and connection and travel and technology and um, so anything yeah. in that, all of that, and, and ruling the mind as well. So And speech, right? right? Writing, speaking, exactly. thinking, all of those, and traveling, and all of those kind of things can... Mercury doesn't... Go on, sorry. No, I was going to say, all of those things can take, <laughs> can take a little extra processing when you have a retrograde, so... Yes, I just wanted to add in, too, um, what what this is is that you know three times a year mercury does this little dance the retrograde thing he doesn't really go backwards you know he just kind of moves out of the natural orbit slightly and then is pulled back into it by the magnetic fields so it's um it's i mean i'm thankful that mercury goes retrograde personally it's a time when we all actually need to stop what we're doing and rest and reset and and catch up on old old emails clean out the closet like just just really get rid of stuff in your house you know it's it's really the universe's times of cleaning and and going back to the past seeing what do we need to release what is taking up too much space retrogrades are so good for that and a lot of people like to like to hate on mercury retrograde i find but you know it's really uh it's so necessary because, you know, if it didn't go retrograde, we'd become too overstuffed. And it's only going to be challenging if you're trying to push forward too fast and start new things. Right. If you're not, if you're actually really cleaning up the past and um, doing the retrospective kind of thing, anything that starts with the word re, you're good. Um, general rule of thumb, make, you know, triple check directions make sure that if you're well obviously i i would rather you not sign a contract during a retrograde ideally wait till after wait till after mid-october to sign anything important um but you don't want to make major agreements if you can avoid it during a retrograde because they're always they're renegotiated down the road you know they're not they're not really so stable um the retrogrades are great for many things. Um, I mean, I love retrogrades, just times to catch up and to rest, you know, it's a good excuse. (laughs) So, you know, yeah, um, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting timing to have that coincide with the eclipses, or I guess, because the mercury begins to slow down and stop right when that um, is it the solar or lunar eclipse, the solar, right. So this Sunday, mercury will be kind of like, running out of steam (laughs) he's going to be chilling for a few weeks so that's actually sort of interesting it's almost like we're being supported in um going in inside and uh reviewing and um you know in this whatever 
steps we're trying to take forward and whatever we're trying to let go of. So that's kind of nice. It's almost like it's almost supportive. I'll have to remember that I said that <laughs> in, I like in that. a week or so. I really like that. And, and it's really in attunement um, with what you were saying before, how, how everything's working together. And possibly this met- retrograde is, is working with the, the eclipse and everything else to really help us see what we need to see. Retrogrades always do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll get to do some good retrospective work and make changes, major changes during this retrograde. I mean, um, yeah, it's a good thing. I mean, I, I really just, you know, as long as you do your checking, I, I think that you can really get a lot from the whole retrograde period. Yeah, absolutely. Of, yeah, it's almost like nature's, um, the universe's guardrails. It's like, nope, 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 no, you don't. No, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> don't go over there. Because if you did, it wouldn't work out very well. So Right. Yeah. So is there anything else you wanted to say about the eclipses in general or about eclipses? Well, about, I guess for everybody who's, who's listening right now and who might be already in eclipse season or maybe it's, it's you listening to this podcast that we're doing. Uh, so I, I guess I'd want to include that, you know, there's, there's sometimes in our minds during an eclipse, there's a part of us that really does not like the scenario. And <laughs> that happens a lot of the time. We say in our minds, I don't like what's going on. I want to change this. This shouldn't be happening. I can't believe he did that to me. Or I can't believe that that job ended or whatever. We Hashtag so God upset. damn it. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, that, that feeling of being so upset about something in the moment or or angry about it even. And eclipses really teach us that there's a larger working to things. They really show us a harmony in nature that is here to bring us back into alignment with our soul's intention. They help to bring our human selves, our physical form into alignment with what our soul needs to do. So it's something to invite in, you know, open the doors, invite in the eclipse. Whatever it wants to change in your house, allow this eclipse to work with you, work with the energy of the eclipse. They are good for us. They're evolution. Sometimes the process in evolution is a little painful, but it's worth it. Ooh, that's nice. It's worth it. It's worth it. Wow. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I think I just, I, I, sometimes someone will say, say something just in just the right way. So where I'm like, oh, it just gets in there a little deeper. It's worth it. Yeah. Oh, that's really, um, that's really bright and encouraging. And Rebecca, I cannot believe I forgot to mention this to you earlier when we touched uh-huh. base about this podcast, <laughs> but something, because I, I haven't done an episode in about a month because I've been so busy teaching and traveling and but what I always do at the end is ask, um, I ask if you could give one piece of advice, and this is kind of like a tough question to ask you on the spot, but if you had a piece of advice um, or some wisdom that you would share with others on this planet, what would that be? Because you've walked your own journey and learned so much in a, as an astrologer and just as a human. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Well, one piece I would say... 
Oh, wow. Whatever um, comes to my two pieces, whatever you want to share. Okay, there's, there's a lot. But, She's like, there's um, so much. <laughs> I, want, I actually want to say something that's relevant to the time we're in right now and, and these eclipses, that there is a voice in us all that truly knows, that truly knows who we are, and what we came here to do. And whenever it's that moment when we come into attunement with that voice, when we can hear it, that that's a great moment, whenever that is. But I would just want to encourage everybody who's listening and really everybody on the planet to trust that voice. Because as soon as we start to live in alignment with that, everything in our world and the universe calibrates to work with us. Uh, when we commit to our soul's intentions. So I would say to trust, to trust that voice, to trust your passion. You have to. There's no other way. I mean, we, we, um, there can be a lot of fear around it. There can be a lot of reticence because of all the logistical things. Um, but I've just seen so many times and through, through my life experience and through so many lives I've witnessed that when you absolutely commit to it, things just work. You have to be courageous. You have to trust. Wow. And that's it. <laughs> and that so, coming from a Virgo too. So that's some, that's <laughs> that's an extra powerful message coming from a Virgo. I can I can trust that message more coming from a Virgo. <laughs> so wow, that's beautiful. Living in um, living in alignment with your inner truth. So thank you so much, Rebecca, for this conversation that we've shared tonight and it's been so, so enlightening and just so insightful. I want to tell everyone where they can find you. It's at mypathastrology.com. There's tons of astrology tips, tidbits, um, on her website. You can book a reading. She's amazing. I had a reading with her, um, on my birthday. It's just been absolutely incredible. You get a recording um, so you can revisit everything um, if, you, if you can't retain it all because the readings are sort of long, but not too long. <laughs> they're perfect. They're great. <laughs> and then social media. So you're on Facebook. You're on Instagram. You definitely have a great YouTube channel where you make videos. Um, it's like tons of free content, essentially. Um, and mm -hmm. you have a book coming out in 2016, so watch for that. Um, yeah. That's on astrology and health. And this workshop that's happening this Wednesday, September 9th, which is free. It's a webinar. It's online. You can register for that on mypathastrology.com. And the webinar is on Career in the Horoscope, an astrological guide to finding your life path. So that's going to be super insightful. The school. Yeah. And also open enrollment is for the schools is available. I wanted to give all of your listeners uh, something as well that if, if anybody is uh, listening to this uh, podcast and is interested in learning astrology as well, uh, open enrollment starts this September. And I was going to give your listeners a promo code for the 12 week astrology beginners class, Yay! which starts October <laughs> 4th. So if, if you're all interested in learning astrology, uh, I, you can check out and read all about the school on the website. We've been around for almost 10 years. I think it's going on 10 years this year. And I'm taking it all online this year. I would love to offer you all 
a 30% discount, which is huge. But so I generous. Think oh, my God. I wanted to give something great to to your listeners. And I think they'll, um, the great thing is about this that you will have the school information downloadable, accessible, like for the rest of your life. Um, so you can watch the videos, download the PDFs. It's all live, interactive, online, and you'll always have access to everything. So it's there's there's a lot that I've been preparing for the school for a while. Um, yeah, the outline just, is on your website, and it looks amazing. Yeah. I mean, I would have assumed I was intermediate level, but when I looked at all that was included in the beginner course, I was like, wow, at least half of that is stuff that I really should know more about or, yeah, so very exciting. Yeah, you know, there's so many. Actually, I have intermediate people take the beginner class all the time. Um, if uh, if the uh let me see yeah if let's see if it if it goes into if if your uh listeners were to sign up for it this month in september it starts october 4th i could also even break it it shows on the website they can break it up into three payments there's so much they can do but um also share it with your friends and everything too i think it's something really good to do with a buddy because then you can always compare notes and learn with some somebody when i learned learned somebody too it's it's good to have somebody else to chat with about these things to not totally do on your own um because we learn everything when we start to do readings you know um without being so stuck in the books, you kind of have to interact with it all. It's so important. Yeah. I mean, and you, you're going to, the school involves like it's live content and then they have access to you as well. Um, so that promo code is beginner 30 as in beginner three zero, right? Right. And all in caps, the word beginner and then the number 30. And if you put that in, um, it will take like a few hundred dollars off and yeah, it's pretty it's pretty massive split. discount so. it, it's a massive discount and yeah. i'm only doing this for your list because you're really... so sweet so yeah right well so, right that's why but no i really wanted to it's my it's um you know we're taking it online this year um so it's so exciting and i'm, I'm just excited just looking forward to getting it out there in the world thank you rebecca so much though for having me and uh-huh. talking about eclipse season i hope Everybody's ready for this. I'm ready for sure. Are you ready, Rebecca? I'm I'm ready. Or I'm I'm not ready, but I'm totally ready. When are we ever ready fully for eclipses? Right? They're always exactly. Surprised. I'm like totally not ready, but I'm ready anyway. So, yeah. so yeah. Thank you so much. It's been so incredible speaking with you. You've been so generous with your time and um, your promo code, and I'm just so excited about all of the stuff that you're offering. Just even just the general content on your websites and all the workshops you're doing. So I look forward to, to studying more with you and, and learning more from you for a long time. <laughs> so thank you so much, Rebecca Gordon from mypathastrology.com. Thanks, Everyday Seeker listeners. Uh, good luck with the eclipses. You won't need it. So we'll just, we're actually, I'm sending you good vibes right now. Um, surf the wave, surf the wave. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Rebecca. All right, Honestly. take care. Good night. Bye, everyone.